<laughs> okay, I like this vibe. Add a bit of warmth. Put in the drums. Ooh, okay. Mic check, one, two, three. We are good to go. Hello and welcome Canderlings. What is up? And today we have joining us Trishy Grover. She's an amazing person who is making strides to her achieving her dreams in computer science, science landscape. So hop on board the Candor train and let's get candid. What's up Trishy? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you all? We're doing good. How are you, Jish? I'm doing pretty good. My body's a little sore, but we are good to coach her. Why is it sore? Our... Did you do cricket? Cricket, yar. Oh, cricket. Fast bowling is tough on the body a little sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's fine. Oh, that's good. Cold, cold showers. Mm-hmm. Get me running. Yeah. What about you, Garb and Shirsty? How's your day been today? Anything interesting happen? Oh, uh, not really. Just a bit hectic. What have you been up to? Uh, I had a call with a professor. It was like a um, informal office hours to get you used to all the software that ran about oh. forty minutes over. So that was fun. Dang. Yeah. What class is it for? Linear algebra. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. I have no clue what that is, but sounds interesting. It's algebra. Hey, yeah, I don't. Need- <laughs> I, yeah. Garb, I don't think they know what linear algebra is. It's like a college course. Yeah, I know. I've heard of it. This the only no. thing I understand is a linear and algebra separately, not together. Oh. Yeah. Or, uh, you are a joker, yar. All right, can we get can we get um a bit Garb. professional here? Garb, this is a candid conversation. But yeah, first thing, are you ready and pumped up and fired up for a 60-second rapid-fire round? Yeah. I'll keep time. You can do this week's. All right. Shristi, you ready? All right. Let's go, Garb. Hit it. Three, two, one, go. If you could buy any type of food right now, what would you buy? Books. You would buy book as food? What? No, no, I'm so sorry. I what? your voice cut off. I, I just heard any type of thing, and I was like, "What thing? Oh. Any type of food right now?" Oh no. Uh, first yes. thing that comes to mind is punjiri, because I've never had it. Oh, oh my god, it's so good. You gotta try. It. If you could be any animal, what would you be, and why? Dolphins, because they live in the ocean, and I love the water. And they're extremely intelligent. Jeez. What is one of the things you would put on your bucket list? Visiting, like doing a full tour of Europe. I absolutely really want to go to Europe so bad. Yes. Europe is so pretty. What is your favorite summer activity? Uh, I think going out on waterfall hikes with my family. We used to do that a lot in the spring and summer. Oh, dang. What is your dream job? Something combining business and IT. So probably like a business executive in an IT company. Time. Dang, let's get it. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was funny. I died. I was like... I was like, books? <laughs> no. books? Hey, honestly, knowledge yeah. is great food for the brain. I was going to say. Yeah. Mm. It's brain That's, food. That brain true. food. 
But she said Panjiri. Have you never heard Panjiri? Panjiri? Yeah. 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 It's... Have you, uh, have you heard Besan Ke Laddu? Yes, I have. Come on, oh my dude. god. Every, so every... I, I feel Panjiri, like every Indian kid has it. Yeah, Panjiri's like crushed up and crumbled up Besan Ke Laddu. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's made from whole wheat. Oh, wait. It's the same thing. So would, it, would it be more like Pinni? You know, uh, it's, it's like whole wheat flour and um, sugar and ghee. Yeah. Okay. Basically. It's like it's like a pinny, but it's crushed mm-hmm. up. Yeah, it makes sense. My granddad makes a lot of pinnies, and I was actually doing a little bit of baking and made a graham cracker crust. And my mom said that's very similar to uh, bungee. That's why I want to try it. Yeah, the consistency oh. is similar to that. Yeah, but if you ever get curious, just get a basin color duo pinny and just crush it up and eat it. That's panjiri for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. And for the for the white people and uncultured Indians and oh, no. any other person who doesn't know what pinny or panjiri is, it's like a it's a ball made out of graham flour mm-hmm. and a lot of sugar and a lot of ghee, which is clarified butter. And you like okay. mix it up, and you make it into small balls. Mm-hmm. And ta-da! It tastes pretty good. It's Thanks. nice for the winter months. It like warms you up. Mm-hmm. Dang! Let's go. What's your favorite sweets? Mm, too many, but like bundi laddu or moti chu laddu. I love Ooh. them so much. Ooh. Dang! What That's about Okay, you want like Western sweets or desi? Just yeah. Okay, desi sweets since it's yeah. Desi sweets probably. Uh, this one's tough, bro. Uh, I would have to say jump jump. Jump jump. Diabetes. Let's go, yar. Mine is Diabetes. either kaju katli or kalakand. Garv, did anyone great. did anyone ask you, Garv? You need to wait for me to ask you, buddy. Uh, oh, I'm you're in a different mood today, huh? I'm joking, yaar. What was the second one you said after Kaju Kutli? Kalakand. I have no clue what that is. Shristi, do you know what that is? I do, actually. My mom's made homemade mango kalakand at home before. Yeah, she knows. Dang. I'm it's, not really cool. it's like a milky dessert. Not yeah, like milk cake itself. Yeah, it's, it's but... sweet milk and paneer. It's like mm-hmm. solidified. It's it's made um into like a solid state, like okay. a softer version of uh sandesh. If you've had it, it's like a softer version of yes, that. yes, yes. Dang, I like milk cake though. Milk mm. cake so good. Milk cake and thoda. Yeah, milk cake's amazing, and like pedas. I like pedas. Oh, pedas are amazing too. Yeah, the white ones and the yellow ones are good. <laughs> Is this is this one flavor? Yellow makes it because of Kesar. White is yeah, just because of milk. And the Kesar has a different flavor garb. It's not one flavor. Oh, I know this. It's sa- I know what Kesar and Saffron is. Yeah, it gives it a different taste. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly, Garv. Wow, uh, yeah. Good. Nice, sweet start to the podcast. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh the puns. Get it? Get it. Dad okay. jokes, dad jokes, right here. But you're gonna be the, you're gonna be the most boring uncle. 
I would be an entertaining uncle. So don't even, don't even fight me, bro. Don't don't Just drink and do world. this stuff, please. No drinking, no drink. Drinking is bad. Good, good. But Shristi, your school starting Monday. Yes, are it you is. Excited for it, or are you Ooh. more like? Mm. For now, I'm more like, uh, just because I'm not on campus. I think I'd be different if it was on campus and, like, this was a normal semester. Um, mm-hmm. For now, it's a little bit like, mm, I'm waiting for those that first two-week period to be over. After the two weeks is done, life chills out. Mm. Yeah, I think that's true. So. It's just about getting used to it. It's going to be a new environment. Exactly. I guess it's not a new environment. It's just going to be... It's going to be college, and then you also have distance learning on top yeah. of it. So it's going to be, I guess it has its, has its advantages. Yeah. It definitely but, does. Yeah. We got like a taste of distance learning in the last few months of school. So you definitely. kind of know what to expect. So you just have to get used to the classes a bit. Mm-hmm. It, you're definitely right about advantages and disadvantages, because even though it's like sad that I'm not getting... Traditional, you know, freshman year, I'm really happy to be at home for a little longer. Like, I don't think I was completely ready to leave my family yet. And any more time I can get with them, I'm really happy about it. Plus, it's safer with all the things going on outside. Definitely. Yeah, I was reading this report. Um, They're just seeing a massive spike in, what do you call it, cases with children and teens now. Because yeah. schools are opening. And a lot of schools around the country... Mm-hmm. They're they forced they to be an open. Yeah. It also has to do a lot with how Trump has handled the situation. True. And his threats. <laughs> which are pretty stupid. I mean, a man's just dumb. I mean, he is the president. He, I feel like he knows what he's doing sometimes, but you never know. I don't know. I guess sometimes. Sometimes he knows what he's doing, but... Other times he's just questionable. Questionable young man he is. He's not young. He's a 70-year-old guy. He acts young with his hair and all. <laughs> did you did you see like uh there was this news yesterday where he said uh, more water should be flowed through shower heads because her hair is perfect and it needs to be maintained. I do not believe that. He said that. Trump said that you need more like high water to the shower head. head. Yes. Oh my god. Trump, Trump, Trump. Yeah, he actually like made a rule for it. I think that's so dumb. <laughs> so But so seriously, like you're gonna be going to Georgia Tech, which is like one of Arguably one of the best places to get a computer science degree in the whole world. How did your whole journey start? And how did you gain interest in computer science? Um, For me, it was like ever since I was young, I just the only thing I knew was that I wanted to go to a um, school where I could do something big. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. So yeah. in sixth grade, I remember I took my very first computer science e-course it was like basic microsoft um excel and powerpoint and word that sort of stuff but i did find myself getting into it because when we were learning excel i came home one day and saw my dad working on a spreadsheet 
And since I'd learned enough functions, I was like, hey, dad, what are you doing? And he spent 30 minutes explaining to me, like a little bit dumbed down, of course, exactly what he was doing and the functions he was using. And I was like, this is insane that after about less than a semester of doing Mm -hmm. computer science sort of stuff, I'm able to understand something my dad's doing in the work environment. And I just continued exploring it all throughout middle school. And the more that happened, the more I could do with it, the happier and like more excited I became until my first programming Mm -hmm. class in ninth grade. And I I was just hooked at that point. Like in eighth grade, I was at that point, I'm Uh either going to be like SAP consultant, like my dad, or I'm going to be a pediatric ophthalmologist. Cause that's something that Uh I've had to deal with. Like as I've had glasses for as long as I can remember. So I knew that's a place I would want to make a difference. And that first programming class, I I fell in love with programming to the point where I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. Interesting. Which class did you take in ninth grade? It was a basic class called computer programming one. It's actually not offered anymore uh, in the building, but it teaches you uh, how to program in a language called visual basic which is a really obsolete mm-hmm. language now, but yeah. it teaches all the fundamentals and it gives you like a good basis because based on that class, I was able to go through JavaScript and Java a lot easier. Right. So, programming, nice. programming is fun. Uh, it really is. Yeah. I did um, BlueJay, which is Java, in 11th grade for like four months and it's like honestly like it's really interesting that you can make so many programs from it mm-hmm. that you don't need to rely on something even if you can put your own creativity to it 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 yeah, definitely I is and I, I love that you bring up the creativity part because that's something a lot of people forget that mm-hmm. programming is an expression of creativity I had a whole class on that uh in the summer and it really is because the way you decide to solve a problem is unique. Nobody else can come up with a solution the way you do. Right. Yeah, because um, if you have like a sort of question in front of you, you can't just go like, um, you know, be book smart and just type it. You have to be like, mm-hmm. be logical and creative to, you know, put that question well, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. There's like a lot of different ways about how you can go on about the problem and code to mm-hmm. arrive at like the same end solution. Mm-hmm. Some ways can be more, what do you call it, short. Others can be more long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just interesting. Interesting, like with all these skills that you're going to gather through college, what is your end goal? Do you want to develop something using your coding skills or just work in a company? I think that's actually something that I've, I'm trying to explore right now in that as a lot of people are in a different situation, but as I'm entering college, my technical skills are a little bit limited in that I know enough to understand the general concepts, but mm-hmm. we, I haven't quite been taught enough to be able to develop a project of my own from like scratch to finish. That's mm-hmm. actually right. going to be extremely usable. So until you sort of see yourself doing it, it's it's hard to, until you do it, it's hard to see yourself being able to do it. So right now, I can't envision myself as a developer, but it's definitely something I want to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that my entry, like I feel most people enter into computer science in terms of the work environment, you enter as a developer, but it's not really the developers and people with the basic knowledge of how to program that gets you somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk I talk about this a lot with my dad. It's like, it's not the people who can write the code. 
it's people who can understand what is needed from the code, what is needed from the functionality, and what is needed in the market that are actually able to take a project forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, whether definitely. I end up being a functional consultant, like the person who deals with functional aspects and the developer, or whether I end up managing one of the two, is yet to be decided. <laughs> I think I think that's that's a really good point that you made. And a lot of people emphasize technical skill in college and they want to be like, if you look at big companies and their CEOs, they don't all necessarily have the technical skill. They, mm-hmm. they, they have an understanding of it and what it does. Yeah. And then they have an understanding of how to manage people and what the world needs. Mm-hmm. And you, just using that without having any sort of, like technical skill per se they still manage to make the most money lead a group of people and gain the most recognition yeah that's that's quite um what do you call it uh, interesting to me mm-hmm. what you just mentioned it's it's really well um it's really emphasized in the story of ebay actually I researched mm-hmm. this in senior year and it's like there's a woman her name is Meg Whitman she's right. one of she's an American business executive and she's one of the most um one of the richest women like self-made women in the country if not mm-hmm. the world and what she did was the person who created eBay it was like a regular you know tech junkie he's somebody that just loves tinkering and he created this company and he's like you know it's growing and it's like I I don't know if I can manage this on my own so he put out an ad and they asked meg whitman to come in and she expanded ebay from a little like room of 16 people to the multi-million dollar corporation that it is today and she didn't have any technical background at all but she uh was a princeton educated uh she had a bachelor of arts in princeton she ended up doing an mba from harvard And after all these things, she understood how to manage people. She understood how to manage a corporation. And so even without the technical skill, she's like, you know, I can learn the technical skill if needed. But what I have, the ability to work with people, that's what not a lot of people have right now. Yeah. Like you look at, let's just go with Sundar Pichai. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. He's not the one who develops the product. He's not uh, develops anything. He just manages he came up it. with the idea of it. He just comes up with the. He approves things. Yeah. He carries out things for the company. He manages things, mm-hmm. and that's what's valuable. It's the management skills, and if you can manage people and um, people around you, I think you can um, pretty much be successful in a lot of different um, aspects that you do in your job. Like right. what you said, Sinder Pichai, he, he's like the biggest, most important guy in tech. One of the most important guy in tech because yeah. he owns Google, Alphabet, and everything, and Google mm-hmm. pretty much controls everything nowadays. So he he knows what he's doing. So he has so many people around him that yeah do his job and make it easier for him and other people as well. Mm-hmm. And I haven't like. Yeah dug too deep into his like coursework and what he studied yeah. but i know he studied from iit so he definitely has yeah. a technical skill yeah, but yeah. Then on top of that he has like management degrees from top colleges which is what matters yeah he's from um if i'm not wrong iit Kharagpur. it's it's like in the south or something and 
he does he did his MS in Stanford, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah. an MBA in UPenn. Yeah. Yeah. And which is like just, to be a warden grad. That's that's absolutely amazing. After Stanford being a warden grad, that's awesome. Yeah, he he's yeah. like too smart. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like I was I've been researching biotech because that's something I want to get into in the future. Um, mm-hmm. get into biomedical engineering side of things and biological side of things and i've been researching a lot of these startups in biotechnology and a lot of the ceos if i go and look at them they don't necessarily have a lot of companies their what do you call it their degree in bachelor their bachelor's degree has nothing to do with biology or biotechnology but if you go and look at all their credentials, all of them have either got their MBA from Stanford, Harvard, Princeton, Northwestern. It's like all of these like prestigious schools. And that's what it comes down to, I guess. It's where you get that MBA or that degree from. You don't it's actually- really see too much, too many people who come from like small universities, you know. All these big companies, they pick off of these good colleges i actually um i've seen a lot of people come from colleges that aren't maybe mm-hmm. as big in name like for example my um when i went to visit nc state and did like their you know student info session one of the big companies that feeds off of nc state students is uh deloitte which is one of the big four in the consultancy field So Mm -hmm. it's like Deloitte, Accenture, um, and then there are two others, which I can't remember the name of right now, but it's like those are the big four in consultancy, and they really feed off Mm -hmm. of NC State. So one of the biggest things is that when you go to a school, it's the reason that a lot of these big-name schools come up so high is not really because of the people they have teaching, not because of the curriculum. It's because of the people they bring in and yeah, that they create right. an environment where you have amazing resources around you and you yeah. can do great things with those resources. Like their alumni networks are the best in the world. Mm-hmm. That's one of the exactly. biggest things about Ivy League is like they allow you to be connected with the best in the world. And if I you are willing, you 100%, yeah. and you can't get anything out of an Ivy League education if you're not willing to take it further. If you are going yeah. to keep yourself open and, you know, be, learn to become a people person, learn how people work and how to move forward with it, you're going to be really mm-hmm. successful. But if you close yourself off and only focus on academics and all of these things, you can be at the best institute in the entire world and you will not learn a thing. That That's so that. true. That's so true. It's all about the networking nowadays. And if you go and look outside and like you said, like the Ivy League network is just absolutely amazing and it it just gives you a lot of parts and a lot of connections for the future as well. Like a lot of the things they require connections. Like even if you're going to get a new job. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times what they post online is usually already taken and it's like you gotta have that connection, you gotta have that familiarity with people around you in order mm-hmm. to land that job or do something. And Ivy League's really allowed that. Like you said, like you need to take it a step further. But one other thing that I've noticed is that 
apart, the connection is wonderful for the first step. A connection can get you in to your first, maybe second job, but it's what you make of that job that really decides the rest of your career. Like I I was talking to a friend and we were talking about some of the people that we've been in school with. And we're like, you know, some of these people, they don't necessarily apply themselves all the way. And they rely on, they're like, you know, we'll, we'll get somewhere because we know people that know people. We know people that can get us in. I'm like, you know, that's great. I'll get you Mm -hmm. your first job. But your second job, the supervisor is not going to ask, who do you know? He's going to say, can I talk to your previous supervisor? Can I talk to somebody who can tell me how did you make the most of the opportunity that you were given there or not? Exactly. I mean, having connections like it doesn't guarantee advancement in life. It just gives you a strong first stepping point. Exactly. After that, it's honestly up to the people and the person to see what they can make out of the opportunity and make best Mm -hmm. use of it. And it's so it's interesting. Exactly. And we were talking before about artificial intelligence and how you think that's scary. <laughs> Explain to people why you think that's scary. I I think artificial intelligence is absolutely terrifying because um, it's it's a little story that I when we went to Universal Studios, there was a exhibit for the Terminator and it's like a little show that they put on and we were standing in line for the introduction video and they're explaining how Skynet works which Skynet is like this uh, tech company that sort of really had a lot of advancements and it's allowing things like, you know, there's a robot in your house. Your mm-hmm. parent could be a half a world away on a business trip, but through video monitor and having a robot there, they could still be tucking you into bed and they could be monitoring and making sure you're safe and you're protected. And it's so heartwarming to see that. And then in the show, you see how it all just goes to craziness. Like it's right. absolute totalitarian environment it is what we see in the terminator movies and i i went to my dad and i was like dad i'm terrified right now he's like no no the thing is that this was created 40 years ago it wasn't meant to be terrifying it's like it was created 40 years ago it was fiction but Mm -hmm. the fiction of 40 years ago is five years from our reality we already have the ability to facetime i can if i wanted to i could like facetime my cousin right now who's sitting in india and be like hey how's school going and make sure that my grandparents are doing okay at home. Like all these mm-hmm. sorts of things. My parents can check in from me on business trips. And if artificial intelligence goes to the extent that we see in science fiction movies, I'm absolutely terrified about what they could end up doing. I think that's that's exactly the direction we're headed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm back. Sorry for that. You're good, Garv. You're good. Mm-hmm. But what, what are we could, saying? That could be... A- we're talking about artificial intelligence and how that's scary. Oh, yes. If you think about it, maybe there is this maximum point of advancement in society. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why we don't see a lot of aliens or other life forms. Because either they're too like preliminary or like in the very early stages of development mm-hmm. or... They have advanced so far forward yeah. that they've destructed themselves. And if you think about it, how long have humans been around? Like intelligent intelligent humans with communication systems. That's 200 years. You mean 2000? No, like with like radio signals and being able to ah. communicate 
not even 200. It's like less than 100. It's what, 70, 60, 70 years since we've had this advanced technology to perhaps emit radio signals out into space. And then we've already advanced so much. And let's say in the next 200, 250 years, we can reach a completely like robot controlled environment, which is, which I think is probably too much, maybe in the next 100 years. And maybe in the next 150 years, we advance so much that we just destruct ourselves. So we have this like time frame of what, 200 years? And what are the odds that there's another planet in the galaxy that's in the same time frame as us of these 200 years? You know? That's that's my take on the opinion about why we cannot discover alien life because there's such a small window that needs to line up in order for yeah. both the civilizations to contact each other. Mm-hmm. I think so. My take has always been a little bit about like the one thing that I've seen in the world is this need for balance. So I was talking to mm-hmm. somebody about this a couple of years ago, and I was like, I think that what it's what's going to happen to us is we're going to advance to a point where we're at the tipping point of self-destruction and then the way that you have a pendulum we're going to go back after we advance so far that we can't go further because we're all about to destroy ourselves we'll fall back and there'll be like a revolution it's like there's going to be complete um almost like reverse advancement you're going to completely go back to rudimentary and then slowly build up again sort of like i think that's the concept behind dystopian novels like because you'll Mm -hmm. see that whenever dystopian novels are almost always about advancement in technology but once they get to a certain point there's a full overturning revolution and you go back to where you started right so i i think that's my take on what i think would happen and with the idea of extraterrestrial life i think you're right that either life is a little bit too rudimentary for us to have contact with Maybe because they're just starting, maybe the reason of extraterrestrial life will be something about um, mutations from something, mm-hmm. you know, that went over from Earth to another planet. Or they're already so far advanced that they're like, we don't need to interact with another planet right now. We're yeah. good on our own. Yeah, right. I was um watching this video and there's basically four stages that were developed of planets. And yeah. Earth is in the first stage mm-hmm. in which we are still using only our planet's energy. And according to this hypothesis, um, planets and civilizations can get so advanced that they are able to harness energy from their whole solar system to keep it running. Mm. Or their whole galaxy. So it will be like, to supply and support the people on Earth, we would have to use and find ways to harness the energy of the Milky Way galaxy. Yeah. And according to this hypothesis, Earth is only in the first stage of civilization. Mm. Which means we haven't even looked past our planet for energy resources. Which is scary. <laughs> Imagine. Like, we already think we're so advanced. and Yeah, we're just, like, starting up. Yeah. If you think about it, it's only been, like, 150 years. Please. Wait, sorry, what were you saying, Shirsty? No, I mean, uh, I think that right now, more than ever, it's really necessary that we then learn how to harness, safely harness energy from mm-hmm. 
well, our solar system or galaxy because we're reaching the breaking point of destroying our own planet. I mean, yeah, right. like right now, it seems like we're sort of on a path, like humans seem to be on a path of destroy everything in your path. And then after that, go find a new path and then end up destroying that too. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how much it just absolutely struck me that the biggest thing that came out of the first couple months of quarantine was that the earth started healing. Um, yeah, rivers right. and waterways were clear all around the world. Trees were able to finally breathe again. Heck, animals were finally coming out of their shelters. And it's like the moment humans took a step back, the world already started healing a bit. And the moment humans came back, I just heard um, one of the like last glaciers or ice uh, formations in the Arctic just melted. Right. So... And I think it's so interesting that there's this, there's this constant cycle of life and death. Mm-hmm. And people always say like nuclear war and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Even if we were to detonate every single nuke in this world right now, all of us would most probably be die. But obviously, and, uh, and a lot of the life will die as well. But in the next yeah. hundred years, the Earth will heal back, heal itself, and the process of life will basically start all over again. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the future, people there's there's a good chance that there will be humans again. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then they can develop to a point, and then they'll look back and be like, "Oh, these people killed themselves by doing this." Yeah. Talking about nukes, there's a lot of nukes in this world, to be fair. A lot of countries have that sort of power to actually destroy many countries, even if they mm-hmm. wanted to. There's probably only United States and Russia. Right, yeah, because in total, total of like, the world, there's about like 14,000 nuclear warheads. Yeah, and in um, wow. Russia and United States combined, they both yeah. own about... 13,000 or 13,500. Mm-hmm. And then there's like 10 other countries that combined own like a thousand nukes. Yeah. So it's the United States and Russia that have like mm-hmm. the largest hand in it, which is crazy. Did you see the news the other day? Um, talk about the countries. Australia and like China were had, um, what do you call it? Battling in a way. Australia mm-hmm. were a bit um, furious that China, you know how like China's expanding their territory in the sea? Oh, if they you've are? read about it. I, I have not yeah. heard about that. They In the South China Sea, near like the Philippines and um, near the Pacific Ocean, near their side, they're actually like building islands by um, gathering up sand in the area and actually like making um, airports, um, seaports and everything to expand their land in which um, they actually may have like um, what do you call it? Australian government angry so in which like Australia yeah. like challenges them better not mess with us or something you know Bro, Australia is a small country Australia actually them. if you think about it China can actually like conquer Australia easily oh yeah easy I mean, even Australia is as big as the United States mainland, but the yeah. population is only 25 million. Because um, Australia's warships and everything, they have been like um, been on tight security as well against China's sea. Yeah. China's picking fights with everyone. Oh, yeah. Especially India. Fight with India. I mean, it's been going on since forever, but recently it just got like 
too much. Right, exactly. Even right now, um, the border near whatever that happened in the Galvan Valley, they have been exercising um, like strong military hold and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to get to a point in which robots are going to fight wars for us. <laughs> it's going to be like a big ass, what do you call it? Robot fighting competition. But larger scale. You know they have those like robot wrestling matches? Yeah, th- those those are fine. But what you're talking about is like way more like sophisticated. Oh, the United States military already has weapons. Yeah, they, they do. They probably yeah. have more advanced weapons than we know of. Oh, yeah, they do. Definitely. They may even have a like an Iron Man suit or something. Definitely. And then it comes in the idea of government censorship. Obviously, there's it's everywhere nowadays. Exactly. There's not one thing that the government is not hiding. Yeah. I bet Especially you, in... there's going to be, like, in the future, like, the technologies you're thinking of developing or want to develop i bet you they're already like developed by the government and they're just like in hiding yeah i mean i had a teacher and she was telling us about some research she did and um when she first moved to uh, the area and like started uh doing research she was researching doing a research project with the u.s department of defense so and some Mm -hmm. of the technology she had described for us I was very surprised. I was like, I didn't know they had this. So yeah, they have a lot of stuff that you guys don't know about. So most countries, like, it's not a matter of when will the technology be invented. It's a matter of when will the technology be available to the public and commercialized. That's the big question. Yeah. What was some of the technology that she described, if you remember? One of them was a crowd controller technology. It was like some sort of a device that can emit a... um, like a type of wave that's going to make a person feel a little like uncomfortably warm it's almost like mm-hmm. a safe way of crowd dispersal get people so uncomfortable that they leave without like forcing them out sort of thing what the heck mm-hmm. that's like a handheld microwave for humans <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i was like i don't know what its status is because she was basically describing how research grants work to us and she told us a little bit about that project and i was like that's just absolutely insane that such sort of technology and th- this is probably five seven years ago not exactly. like reason this is five seven years ago and i don't know You're... if it's being employed or not what that's crazy they have microwaves for humans we gotta <laughs> the what the hell that? Because microwaves is basically that same thing. It like emits waves to heat your mm-hmm. food up. But this thing is emitting waves to heat humans up. <laughs> no, I don't think, I think it's more of dealing with how we perceive it than actually heating us up. Like, I don't think they're exposing us to a level of radiation that's going to cook us. Oh. Maybe more like just influencing the like receptors on your skin to register you know, a little bit more brain. heat. Whoa. You know what it reminds yeah. me of? Um, mm-hmm. Have you guys seen Iron Man three? Yeah. Oh my god, Extremis. Yeah. Yes, it's like it's like similar to that. You know how um, <laughs> the guy just like he made the human whatever experiments he did heat uh-huh. up so much that like the edge of the human just blew blew up with so much <laughs> energy and heat. If you've oh. seen Iron Man three, it it would make sense. 
no i get you it's just like it makes you feel so, it makes you feel so uncomfortable imagining it all over again yeah low-key i should get a job in the government <laughs> spill all the secrets not spill all the secrets that doesn't work well yeah i know there's this dude called bob lazar who used to work in area 51 yeah and when he was like fired slash he left they like erased every single record of his his education his birth certificate he was basically a no one in the world oh yeah he's been working over the years to like reveal the secrets of area 51 and all stuff i don't think it's that secretive i'm pretty sure that they have like every government in the world has projects they're working on and it's not like we're never going to see them it's just a matter of time exactly yeah that's so true Dude, I'm excited. Gotta get on that government. Government stuff. Who knew government jobs could be so cool? They are cool, but they're hectic as hell. You're gonna get, like, social security benefits when you retire? Bro, why wouldn't you want that? Like, the insane Um, benefits? It leads to a lot of instability. My granddad actually worked... um, for the Indian government for a while. He was the mm-hmm. head of the population division for statistics. And right. my my dad spent most of his life, uh, partly how I did, like constantly moving around mm-hmm. from in like governments like central schools to central school. Um, heck, he, left, he moved like two months before his board exams and he was like, that was fun. So Dang. that that's the little consequence. Like a lot of times the life, the job or career that's exciting isn't necessarily the one of stability. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. There's a lot of moving around, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that's the deal with a lot of jobs nowadays, especially tech yeah. jobs, because you work on projects for like a year, year and a half, and then after that's done, they'll be like, "Oh, you're gonna have to relocate to this state," or "Oh, we're gonna fire you," or "Move <laughs> to this country." Yeah, that's all. Like, I'm excited. Uh, honestly, for me right now, it's really exciting because I absolutely love travel so much. I'm looking forward to getting like eight to 10 years of like the beginning part of my career to get to explore so that when I figure out, you know, where do I want to settle down? Where do I want to become like stable? I've actually explored my options rather than just being like, you know, I was born here. I grew up here. So I'm just going to stay here sort of thing. Right, right. That makes sense. And I think that's that's a cool, a good way to approach things. Just explore your options first before you reach a conclusion. Mm-hmm. about where you like best and i think that's that's best left for like your youth your 20s because you yeah. still have that energy and that open mindset and then i agree about that, the open mindset but i don't know about energy i think i'd be pretty energetic even in my 50s without traveling day. i, don't know. <laughs> I can't stay in one place and everything it'll be like it would, it would you would just be drained it'll be like working taking care of kids all that stuff it would drain you i can't imagine myself being drained again maybe just because i've seen my parents do it for so long because yeah, we're, right. we're definitely a big traveling family so we explored like over half the west coast when we lived there and, and we lived there for like three years total oh dang yeah that's crazy but yeah I guess it, it, it definitely is going to catch up to you. It's just a matter of when. Because I see, I hear a lot of stories. People are like, oh, I used to do this in my 20s. 
I used to drink, I used to do late nights, and I used to wake up perfectly fine without any headaches or anything. And then they come to their 30s and they like quit drinking, quit late nights, stop partying because they're like, but yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. That was a great convo today. Anything, yeah. anything you feel like you want to add um, or anything you want to emphasize? I think the biggest thing that I want to say is that if there are any girls looking to pursue computer science or technology, don't doubt yourself um, and don't think that you're alone. I've, I was very fortunate in that I never had my, I've never grew up in an environment where it was insinuated that I couldn't do something as well as a guy could. And I'm very fortunate to have that, but that's the biggest thing that I've seen in the past, like four or five years that I didn't know that there was a thing of women are afraid to pursue technology. And I've heard firsthand stories. I've heard secondhand stories and they're still hard for me to believe. And that's why it's an issue that I try to fight for to the best of my ability every day, whether it be bringing awareness or supporting the efforts, Um, Mm -hmm. look out for the opportunities in your area no matter how few they may seem i thought there there were very very few in charlotte and i had to spend countless hours researching but i found organizations like girls who code i found organizations like chick tech which is a really special one to my heart because i've been with them i did a full year with them and it was one of the best years that i've ever had and um there's something in your area so don't be afraid to reach out and don't be afraid to just keep going i i have a couple like girlfriends who have started computer science and one of them came to me and she was like i i don't think this is for me and it's like don't don't base your judgment of your abilities don't base your judgment of what you can and can't do based on one or two classes you take Mm -hmm. if you truly want to do it if you truly believe in it stick to it it's nothing worthwhile is ever easy until you feel you've given it your absolute all and if doing it is making you absolutely miserable no matter how long you do it definitely don't don't continue it but if it's something mm-hmm. that could even bring you the slightest bit of happiness, just don't stop because you doubt yourself. That's right. the biggest thing. And before we end, are you, do you feel intimidated by the fact that in your future, your workplace is largely going to consist of men? Or is that something that you, you've just accepted and you're ready for the challenge? I'm stuck between both. Um, I've, I don't think I've ever been intimidated by the fact that I'm going to be surrounded by guys. I've been intimidated by the fact that I'm going to be surrounded by people who have more talent or experience or skill than me, but I don't think guy or girl to me has ever mattered, but that doesn't mean I don't get scared. Like when I heard about at Georgia tech, their overall ratio is 50 50, but not in the computer science department whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It's like not at all 50 50 there. So it's, I, it's something that what's I take the, note what's of. What's the ratio like at Georgia Tech? I'm not sure, but I will say that I was in a group chat when it started out. It was about 200 people, all the GT uh, 20 class of 2024 computer science majors. And mm-hmm. I think at that point, there were about 200 total people in the chat, 67 girls, the rest were guys. And oh, that was, I, like I will not, yeah. 30% split, 30, 60. Yeah, so I I don't I don't remember if I was intimidated or not. It's something that I take stock of, um, mm-hmm. but I will not say that it's not a possibility because when it comes to the the biggest difference I've seen is that when you actually start being on a college campus or when you're in a workspace, sometimes right. 
it's not just a matter of being intimidated by a gender. It's that you are made to feel uncomfortable is what I've heard from people. Um, mm -hmm. They've had to face comments and like, oh, you only got this because you're a girl or you can't do this because you're a girl. Right. And I, I can't say I have experience with that, but the stories I've heard make it seem like, all I'll say is it, it, I'm passionate about the cause because it's not something that I've dealt with, but I could easily have to deal with it or have had to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, definitely that, that, something I've seen. Yeah, definitely. So true. And I so, think you're just strong and you do amazing <laughs> in this field. Mm -hmm. Thank Overcome you. Overcome all the adversity and the comments. You can just block out the haters. Haters <laughs> gonna hate. Yes, Taylor Swift knows what she's saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen to Tay Tay. Listen to my girl <laughs> Tay Tay. And the it. biggest thing is just don't if it, it's a cycle. And I want to emphasize that one last point before we have to leave is that it's a cycle that if you are intimidated that there's nobody to look up to in the field and then you decide not to join it, you are depriving another young girl of a mentor. Um, so just remember that if you don't decide to take that step forward, mm -hmm. somebody else is going to be stopped from taking a step forward too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. get out there people if you don't have a mentor or someone to look up to be someone else's i think that's a really great point someone's gonna start it why not you start it mm -hmm. exit and leave the status quo make your own path in life yeah. yes <laughs> inspirational let's get it bagarv anything you want to add buddy no i'm good that was a good um that was a good conversation with her. We really got to know about a lot of things in a perspective. Definitely so. Yeah. And we would like to thank you, Shristi, for joining us today. It was a really great session. Really great yeah. podcast. Anytime. And let's get it, boys and girls, all our listeners. <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't checked our old ones out, check those out as well while you're at it. But that's it from us. See you guys. See ya. Mm.